This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by BitPay. Stick around for more info about them later in the episode. What's up, everyone? I'm Charlie Shrem, and this is Untold Stories, where twice a week we dive deep with crypto's most influential leaders to find out how this movement truly came to be. This show is now produced in audio and video, so check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and send me a message. I love feedback, ideas, suggestions. On untoldstories.com, my email address is right there. And last but not least, this show is powered by my best friends at the Blockworks Group, a media production company with over 20 podcasts in their network, including Untold Stories. So check them out at blockworksgroup.io. And with that, today's guest is an old friend of mine. We haven't seen each other since we've been back in Mexico together. Amari Sechet, the lead developer of Bitcoin ABC, Bitcoin Cash, one of the top, top people and on the forefront. If you want to know the story of Bitcoin Cash, its founding, how it started, BSV, politics, technical discussions, all these things, all these conversations we had today. This is exclusive. He never does shows ever. Uh, the information here is wonderful. And when you finish this show, you'll have knowledge that no one else has. I'm Charlie Sherman. I'll talk to you guys right in a minute. Amari, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And you'll say, F you, Charlie, I hate you. I'm just joking. You'd say, thank you for coming on the show. Okay, so you know how there's like moments of time and there are places and there are things that just happen and you always wonder why or how they, you know, why they happen. And yeah, um, it happen very quickly, but there is a lot of setup. Yeah, exactly. One of those things that happened was meeting you personally. You, you rare, that rarely happens in, in our industry, but... Um, we met in Mexico at the at the Satoshi Roundtable yeah. Yeah, uh, a few years ago, yeah. and I'm really happy I did because if you remember, it was that year I think that Bitcoin Cash was going through its. It was still nascent. It was it was it was. Uh, I think it was the timing that Bitcoin Cash was freshly a new community and was learning what it is and and who it wants to be. So it was mm -hmm. nice that we had met because I was able to like put a face to the name, and then as everything was going on, you know, people. They do it to me. They do it to you. They personify us in whatever way they want. You know, they 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 create a picture, a portrait, however they want to do it. So I'm really beneficial and grateful that I was able to like not get jaded um, because mm -hmm. I had met you. And so it's one of the things that I always tell people. It's like you meet these people and you try to create an image or a judgment of them. Whatever you think, go physically meet that person and spend like an hour with them, uh, and then judge that person after, and then say. Uh, you know, is this person a bad guy or a good guy? And there is so much more bandwidth when you meet people in person because yeah. there is there is a whole body language aspect of it that just like even by video doesn't translate as well. Video is still better than just audio, but um, it, it's it's not the same as meeting people in person. Yeah, I com I completely agree. Um, one of the things that I've wanted to do in person with you or, or doing on the video is and and it's it's never been this is one of, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes because I get to do a show that's never really been done before. And what that is is I really want to go deep into who you are and how you found yourself as the lead developer of this uh community of this token of this coin that was very new and I want to go back you know from the beginning um in how you felt in the in that position uh and what 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 drove you every morning to wake up and to continue doing that? I want to I want to find out yep. that Amari, and then if we can get that story, then we can get the story of Bitcoin Cash, and that's and that's my view of this whole thing. When was the first time 
I mean, where do you want to start? Do you want to start like going back years ago when you worked at Facebook? Uh, you, you were software. Your podcast. I so. know, right? Like, I don't know where to start, but where? <laughs> so, so here you are. You, you're you're working at Facebook um, up until 2016. You're a software engineer over there. Did you know? Did you did you know about Bitcoin? Did you work in? Did you do anything Bitcoin related in those years? I, I knew about Bitcoin from very early on. I learned about Bitcoin in actually. Yeah, I came back because people kept asking me the question ever since there is this OBC stuff. So I, I everyone wants uh, to know. Luckily, I remember you know like where I heard about Bitcoin the first time, and it's um, like it's an article. It's in French, so it's it's a bit difficult to share. But it's an article by by some dude I, I like to read, um, and it was in November two thousand ten. So I learned about Bitcoin in. In November 2010, which is fairly early by all standards. Yeah, that's very early. And um, you know, at the beginning, I was like, you know, this is like this is a this is an interesting experiment. But I was very skeptical, and the reason is I was following I was following previous attempt, right? This was this was something that was you know like non-government money using cryptography and stuff like that. It's not an idea that started with Bitcoin. And I followed previous attempts and they all failed for like different reasons every time. But, you know, it's, it's effectively very difficult to get right. And, um, and so I was like, this is pretty interesting, but I was still fairly skeptical. And when I realized that it would be very big was in 2012, I think, when there was the Cyprus crisis. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Because... Like, yeah, you remember like Cyprus closed all the bank for like a week or something like that. And a lot of people bought Bitcoin as a, as a response to that. So, so, you know, it sounds ridiculous by now, but at the time, I think the price went from like 20 or $30 to slightly more than a hundred, which is obviously not much by today's standard, but. Um, 10x. Price went yeah, from. Yeah, that was, that was about. It's slightly less than 10x, but what was more important to me, even more than the price, was the realization that yes, there was you know a mass of people that saw that as an alternative to to banks and stuff like that, right? And and it's very important because it's money, and so um, you don't want to be the only one to value money, right? So I went into it. And I was not quite sure if I was the only one finding that stuff interesting or, you know, not the only one, but a very small community. Or if when the alternative shows signs of failing, people see that as, you know, like a credible alternative. And, and the fact that many people did at the time was a good sign to me that it would become very, very big. And, and that was only the beginning, right? That was... Before that, I was like, this is, this is interesting technology. I'm going to keep an eye on it. And after that, I was like, this is going to be like, this is going to be game changing. This is going to be huge. Do you still think, um, so I've, I've, in those years that I've met you, I've become a software purist, but I've also become someone who believes, um, in, in, uh, in industry, like I'm, I, I'm ideologically Bitcoin, but I'm, I'm a capitalist and, and I love to experiment and try all coins and all things and play around and socially experiment because it's in it's in my nature, right? If I'm going to mm-hmm. attach myself to one thing, what's the point? Uh, at the end of the day, I'm I'm still very ideal. Not still. I'm I I am and will always be 
on the ideology of of uh, of a spectrum of decentralization. So all coins and tokens and projects should be on this like focus of eventually being towards this decentralization, but knowing that centralization, that's decentralization may not be attainable at this moment, but as long as you're kind of on that path towards it, you know, there are a lot of coins and tokens that just don't even care to be on that path. And you and I know we don't have to name them. Um, do you still, do you, do you still see, uh, like our industry as a whole, because you deal with the communities a lot. Do you see our industry as a whole caring to be pushing forward towards that more decentralized world? Or are we getting caught up in the yield farming, the DeFi, the percentages and the blah, blah, blah of the day? Have we forgotten the message? Yeah. So there is a balance. There is a balance, right? Because decentralization makes the system more resilient in many ways, right? Because you don't have a central point to attack the system. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's more difficult to bring it down for an adversary. Uh, at the same time, it makes the system less efficient because when someone can make a decision, like assuming, you know, that person or that entity yeah. is competent, then uh, you can be more efficient that way. Um, and so you you have a balance, and I feel like right now the balance is not that much in favor of decentralization. And the reason is actually the, the you know the poor that be the banks and stuff like that are not super hostile to Bitcoin this day or to crypto in general. Hmm. And so the aspect of it where it needs to be very resistant to adversary is not as big as it used to be. And on the other end, there is a lot of competition between the different coins. Right, so so you benefit from being a bit more centralized and being a bit more efficient. Uh, it's probably not some, you know, like if if we go in that direction where we become more centralized to become more efficient and compete. What's um, the point? But if we go too far in that direction, it's gonna just empower adversary, right? So there's there are gonna be there are gonna be some balance there that comes naturally, like the. The project that go too far in that direction eventually are going to be attacked and 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 you know be destroyed probably. What does that mean? Like, do you, do you think do you think so? I mean, you know what's interesting? Um, no one really talks about what happens when a when a coin fails, right? Or coin uh, uh, moves on, or like the community breaks apart into enough you know, enough uh, groups and eventually splinters off. How do things like that happen? Um, Bitcoin went through it. Bitcoin Cash is going through it now a few times. Mm -hmm. Where do they, where do they start? Are these, are these results of like, like a technical problem that becomes like a political thing? Or is it, do you think it's like a political thing? I think it's the other way around. Tell me. I think it starts with people, you know, and people can come with an agreement and for a while, you know, like for a while, everybody deluded themselves into, into well, we're going to stay with each other yeah. and we're going to make it work. It's, it's a bit like, you know, like a breakup between people. It's very similar. Um, you know, people try to make it work for a while and sometimes that pans out, but very often it doesn't. And at some point people need to go, you know, their, their separate ways. Yeah. Um, and then they find technical reasons to do so. But by that time, um, by that time, it's way beyond technical reasons, and you can see that in, in BCH right now. You know, you know that there is tension. 
and and there may be a split in November. We don't quite know yet, uh, but but it's definitely possible, and there is definitely um, a divide at the social level, let's say. Um, and I have no idea where I was going with that. Uh, well, from my perspective, um, and from the perspective of a lot of people, you had uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash uh, was a community that 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 you know I don't know I, you have to be very careful with words in this community. But for Bitcoin Cash community decided to go a different route, and we'll talk about scaling and everything in a second because that was really the technical aspect of things. Mm-hmm. I want to like avoid kind of these political. Uh, conversations. And then there was Bitcoin SV that broke off from Bitcoin Cash. Yeah. From my perspective, a lot of people saw when Bitcoin SV broke off, BSV broke off, a lot of people saw BSV and still do as was like they were the cancer of Bitcoin Cash. And what was left was all the goodness and the good parts of the community of, of, of BCH. And do you do you not agree with that's kind of like my view of it. Do you, you so, so there's definitely reason some truth to that, but um, those people that ended up creating SV, they were brought into the BCH community, right? Those are not people that were there at the origin of it. Yeah, they were brought in. They were brought into it. So, so for me, there is a broader problem. And, and that, that concert that we excised, if you want, was more of a symptom of that problem. And it's a bit of a lack of an immune system. You know, so you, you start a new stuff and everybody's super excited. And suddenly you have some dude that is like, oh, you know, like I'm with you guys, you know, like this is, this is awful. And yeah, you know, yeah, team blue, boo, team yeah. red, right? And, and people are tempted to uncritically bring those people on board. Um, but that's not always a good idea, especially when those people are, you know, like Froster. <laughs> yeah, well, that happened early on. Um, that was kind of... You know, we talk about scaling. So for a lot of people who don't know, like, um, you know, he, I remember like, I remember getting out of jail actually, and there was this big scaling debate and I never under really understood um, what was going on. I do now, but back then I didn't understand why do you have something that's so technical, be so politically contentious that can threaten to break apart a whole community of people that have been building for many years. From your perspective, uh, where where did the the political part of it start? What did I miss? Uh, was it the New York Agreement? Was it Hong Kong? Was it before then? Uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want to hear from your yeah, perspective on like what caused the, that. First sign that it would become a problem was a video that was produced. I think it was in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. There was this video that was produced. It was quite a well-produced uh, video about keeping blocks small. And, hmm. and to me, that was the realization that there are people that are willing to put, you know, wait like, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying that the block, the up until this point, and here I am, I'm going to pull a piece of paper out. So for those who don't know, this podcast, Untold Stories, is video. A lot of people are asking me, you're describing like charts and stuff, but I don't can't see it. Well, there's video here, guys. You can go on YouTube and watch the show. So I don't know if you can see this. So we're at a, a one megabyte limit here on the blocks. You're telling mm-hmm. me that before even anyone was talking about bigger block sizes, a video came out that talked about making blocks smaller. The only person that I know who still talks about making blocks smaller is Luke. 
Still till today, he wants to make blocks smaller. No, no, not make them smaller, but keep them at one megabyte. Because oh, keep them, okay. In, in the early days of Bitcoin, um, kind of like what, what everybody thought would happen was that um, you know when we get anywhere close to one megabyte in terms of block size, we're going to increase the block size. And, and like if you talk to people in 2012, 2013, yeah, 100%. this is what everybody was saying at the time. And the block size was a temporary limit that was added to reduce spam. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what your point is. I think the to the point of the other side was that while this was created as a temporary, it became part of the economics around Bitcoin that will always be like a one megabyte uh, block limit. And then you had 99.999% of the world, including me, don't understand the deep rabbit hole of the technical aspects of pros versus cons. So it was very easily politicized into and made personalized. And it was like, instead of uh, Bitcoin versus, you know, scaling, it was Roger versus Greg Maxwell or whatever it was. That's what ended up being, you know, it became this political yeah. hotbed and, and fighting. And it was, it was stupid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but in, in the, in anything, the, I think like most of those side made, Pretty bad point, I guess. Yeah. Um, it it was more of a you know it was more of a media communication war kind of thing more than than a technical debate. Yeah. Uh, but and, yeah, I, I want to learn from this, and and what I want to learn from this is let's go back to those years, and let's you and I have like a scaling conversation. So in my okay. view, right, and 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 from a perspective of. You're a lot more technically advanced than me, so you'll have to walk me through it. But in my view, and explain to me how, like if we were in those years and we were having this conversation, I would tell you, Charles, I would tell you, Amari, um, I understand why small blocks are, are or keeping the block size the way it is, is important. Um, what would you tell me, like, what would be the difference, you know, looking back uh, in, in, in raising the block size or at least like temporarily raising it or do something different would there be would there be any if, if it wasn't politicized how would things have played out differently i guess is what my question wants to be um it, it's always you know it's always difficult to to predict what would have happened but um i think there are there are uh, a number of things that did happen that we saw uh happen you know once we started hitting the limits that i think would not happen um so one of them is that we actually have lost a lot of adoption, right? Like the whole space went from you think so? this is money and we're going to use that as money and we're going to replace banks and visa and whatever to, well, this is this whole decentralized finance stuff and there is digital goals and various, uh, you know, assets and, and stuff like that. Um, like the whole, the whole discourse changed quite a bit. A lot of focus switched to Ethereum that was previously in Bitcoin. Like before, before the whole block size was a problem. Bitcoin consistently had more than ninety percent of the, you know, of the market cap of like there was Bitcoin. Like nobody was talking about anything else effectively. Um, in those days, like if, if you look at, yeah. at you know, what Coinbase was at the time, it was like a Bitcoin company, and many many of those companies were just like a Bitcoin company. There was no, there was no BCH or Ethereum. Like BCH did not exist at the time, but Litecoin existed at the time. Monero, I think, already existed at the time. Many of those other stuff that did exist at the time, but the mind share that were going there was extremely small. Like effectively, it was Bitcoin, and Bitcoin was growing 
and there was more and more adoption. And and this kind of like put a damper into that and changed the direction of the space completely. Right. So at the time, people were like excited about Dell, accepted Bitcoin and Steam and Microsoft, and you know, like those those big companies started accepting Bitcoin. And everybody was excited about that. And everybody wanted to buy stuff online with Bitcoin and and you like create this new economy. And then you know it became uh, more digital gold. And so people are like, well, no, it's like a scarce asset, it's hard money. It's something you can put your saving in so that you're protecting against inflation. You know, but there's no people though. Like there was no, was there a, spe- I don't know if there were like specific people that says the, said these things. Rather, it was more like the community or the narrative or what Bitcoin is being used for crypto in general, like yeah. kept evolving and changing, you know? Well, because it become not very good as, as digital cash effectively, right? Because I will, uh, you're right. It, if, if the transaction fee are of a few dollars and the confirmation time are of a few hours, uh, it's it's not good at digital cash anymore. So people find you know like different use case for it, but there was there was a big shift there, and it happened when we started hitting the limit. Okay, come on, this is so cool. This is the new BitPay card that I have in my hand, and I'm so excited to be finally having the new one that just came out. Now guys, I've been using the BitPay card since 2016. Yeah, you heard that right. Way before I started Untold Stories, way before BitPay became a sponsor of mine, I've been using this card and it literally became a way for me to have a bank account uh, for many, many years as, as a lot of people in crypto need banking, need better banking. The BitPay card is chock full of the coolest features. It's got contactless pay, uh, better rates and limits, no fees to convert from Bitcoin right onto the card, added in chip security. I mean, it's sexy. It looks good. Unlike other cards, it's so easy to get. Just download the BitPay app on your phone, click the card icon, and you can do it right there. If you use the promo code CharlieJune20, your card is free. Remember, CharlieJune20. It's in the show notes. You can get a free card. So literally, just from listening to my show today, and make sure you actually listen, you can get a free card just by entering that code. So download the BitPay app, get the coolest card on the market, the best card on the market. I've been using it for over four years now. I know there are so many cards out there, but the BitPay brand is the oldest and longest running Bitcoin company in the world. I mean, that's who issues this card. This is the card you want to have. Remember, Charlie, June 20, download the BitPay app on iOS or Android to sign up for the new card. You're going to freaking love it. You know, I think the shift there was it became from a community, a very community in those days, I kind of, you know, in 2014 and backwards, we weren't talking about a lot of money. So the whole industry was very like throwing shit at the wall and sees and see what sticks. Try, fail, mm-hmm. try, fail, try, fail. And Bitcoin was very much like try, fail. Like you look at the pull request back then, uh, a lot of this shit that like ideas that were thrown around were just plain stupid and never got adopted and good ideas got adopted or whatever. But what had happened was a shift happened and I and I still can't put my finger on it, but a shift happened in Bitcoin grew up and Bitcoin essentially became this thing that couldn't fail anymore because if it failed, everything would fail. Yeah, no, no, suddenly there was like $20 billion value that was in that system and, and, yeah. and you cannot be tinkering with it the way we used to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think this posed the question of professionalization of the space and funding and stuff like that. And this eventually led to the direction because 
uh, Bitcoin is the system where there's not that much, there is not something that is built in to fund the people that maintain the infrastructure. Yeah, there's right? nothing going so, on. It's like it does one thing. So, so what happened is that you have people who do something else or people or company, you know, who, who do something else, they have their own business and that business rely on Bitcoin having some properties and they invest into maintaining the infrastructure to make sure that Bitcoin keep those properties. And, and the side effect of that is that um, many of the company that invested into Bitcoin infrastructure started deploying services that work around values of the limitation of Bitcoin and make their business out of that. And so suddenly the incentive to fix those disappear. So, so those companies doing that, um, that needed to pivot and then now are incentivized to not have Bitcoin change, right? Um, did those companies yeah. do that as a result of the change in Bitcoin or, or in crypto in general? Or well, it, it, did those companies it, it, like specifically try to prevent or avoid but but wait so and if your answer is yes could you blame them i mean aren't isn't that like so capitalism in a way yes no i don't blame them okay they're just doing good business you know like it, it makes business sense to do that i blame people who expect them to do something else i i agree so because because you cannot expect people who pay or something to move that thing in a direction that is not in their benefit you know that's so, just not so Amari, like those things work. That's not how the word works. Let's go back to those years for a second. If if you and the community came along and said, "Hey, like this Bitcoin Cash, we want to try taking Bitcoin, but making it more accessible for microtransactions," while we believe this is a better version of scaling, uh, do you think the community would have approached it differently instead of like? trying to, not that Bitcoin Cash tried to change Bitcoin as a whole, but there were some hostile elements in Bitcoin, in Bitcoin Cash, in Bitcoin SV, Blockstream, mm-hmm. Bitcoin.com. There are all these elements that work for all these different companies and people that had a lot of money to hire uh, on both sides, did it, uh, like straw man and Twitter accounts and all these different things. So the question is like, is that good business or is it bad business, right? And if instead of all that happening, we just said, let's, why can't we just create all these new coins and communities? Uh, would, would we be in a hostile world today? So, but it, it, it's difficult to, so, you know, like you could say, well, you know, if people didn't spend all that time fighting, they could have built something, they would have more resources to do so. And the party would have built something better. And that's, that's true. There is some, you know, there is many elements of truth to that. But the thing is, everybody wants to fight over the network effect because the reality is the network effect is very hard to overcome. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and so everybody wants to fight for that network effect. And, and you, you cannot even say like we split into, imagine you have two factions that are roughly the same size. You can say we split into, and we all have our own thing on our sides, but those two smaller networks are less valuable even like like even if you add the value of both than than the network of the two combined right because suddenly like the more the more people i can transact with or or do any kind of like financial stuff with 
there is in my network and the more that network is valuable, right? That's, that's part of the value of the network. If I'm the only one using Bitcoin, that Bitcoin is not very valuable. Yeah, there's no, there's no value to it. If people using Bitcoin, then it's, it's more valuable. And if everybody on earth is using Bitcoin, it's even more valuable, right? So, and, and, and it, it's not linear, right? It's not, if, if there are 10 times more people I using see what Bitcoin, you're saying. Yeah. it's not just 10 times more valuable, right? Because it's 10 times more valuable because there are 10 times more people in it. But for each one of those people, the network is also more valuable, right? Because each one of those people have 10 times more people they can transact with. And so that's what makes the network as valuable. And that's what made the network effect very, very strong, right? And, and if you look... So before crypto, I was working at Facebook, for instance, and in the social network space, it's very, very prominent as well, right? Like you can build, you can build that social network today that is like very good. It has all the feet, like assuming we know what that means, right? But yeah. you build that social network, it's all perfect. You know, like you, you nail everything down just perfectly, just right. It's the perfect social network, assuming we know the, what that is. And no one uses um, it. You still would have a very, very hard time to compete against Facebook, even though in that hypothetical situation, you have a much better product. Why? Because if I come to your product, I have the perfect social network, but I can interact with a couple of people. If I go on Facebook, everybody I know is on Facebook. It's right? So, so because of that, Facebook has a much higher value to me, regardless of how much better your product is made. And, and you have the same, you have the same in crypto. So your value prop needs to be so good that people are willing to move over. Yeah. Yeah. Even though all their friends or whatever, or the value is in the other side, they have to take a risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but I don't agree with that dude, because we're not living in a world that you could only use one blockchain and mm -hmm. unlike social networks, Social network, you have to put all your eggs really in one basket. You put all your pictures, all your, there's an exclusivity to it in a way. It's like you have to, you, as much as you don't want to, as much as we do, this is a great example. So as much as we use social media, like, you know, at 15 social media apps, there's always that first or second one that you go to first. There is loyalty. When you own, when you upload a picture, there's, when you take that picture and you say, I'm going to upload it to social media. There's always that first place that you upload it to. So there is loyalty, mm -hmm. right? Same thing with blockchains. There are coins that you love more than others. Unlike social media, uh, I really believe that not only are we going to be in a world where you have all these different coins and tokens and blockchains that do all these different things, but I really believe that you're going to see platforms and the ability to have interchangeable hops between different coins and, and tokens and chains that I, I think people this won't is, even know that'll yeah. be happening. I think this is where it's going. And I think this has a lot to do with what we were discussing earlier, right? The fact that um, the fact that Bitcoin took a direction where it couldn't do a lot of transaction on chain, I think has a lot to do with that. Because suddenly you have this plethora of blockchain that become important because there is all this activity that is overflowing in all those other systems. And now you have a bazillion systems and you need to interconnect them somehow. And, and I think we're going to see services where all of that is becoming more and more transparent over time. Yeah, you know, it's like a lot of these these blockchains uh, are launched and, and, and they do a lot of things. So it's like you're going back to your social media example. What if like someone built a piece of software that 
so further optimizes you know, the ability to upload video content in seconds at a lossless rate, super compressed, like Pied Piper from Silicon Valley. We're like using a, Zoom, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it yeah, did not using, exist for many years. Zoom does one thing right. If, if you use, you know, if you've used Skype or various other alternatives, you know why you are using Zoom. It just does the same thing much better. So while it's unfair to say that this is, the, it's unfair to say that with Bitcoin's growth, you'll see the end of Bitcoin Cash. It's, it's unfair to say that, and you won't. I think it's also unfair to say that with the growth of Bitcoin Cash or BCH, you'll see the end of Bitcoin and you'll see the end of a lot of other coins and tokens. And not to say that you said that, but a lot of people in the community uh, never let go of that like hostile hostility where most people in the Bitcoin space, I feel like kind of let that go. Uh, so how yeah. do we... So those BCH people um, that are listening, how do we like rebridge that gap? How do we let some of that hostility go and all come back to work together? Kind of wrap up this conversation that we're having today. So I think it's going to be difficult. And I think this is a bit of what's playing out in BCH right now, actually. So in, in BCH, you have this portion of the community that have been fighting in Bitcoin to get bigger block in Bitcoin. Uh, seems very early on. And that part of the community is a bit bitter, right? Because they feel like they've been cheated. Yeah. They, they feel like they should be, they should be Bitcoin, you know? Like they, they should have, they should have kept the Bitcoin name. They should have been Bitcoin. And, and they didn't for whatever reason. And I think, I think there is like, you don't need to change that much in history for that to happen, actually. Mm. Like there was very wide industry support to increase the size of the block at some point. And, and if those people had played their card rights at the time, we probably would have a big block Bitcoin today. Uh, but they did not play their card right, right? They, they, they fucked it up. Um, they, they had an opportunity to do it and they missed it. And so they kind of like reluctantly joined BCH. I was not part of those efforts at the time. And, and, and and effectively, what, what happened on my side is that I saw them not playing their card right. I was like, okay, they're not playing their card right, so they're probably going to lose. And I'm interested in those properties of Bitcoin, so I need to come up with a plan B, effectively. And the yeah. plan B was BCH. Uh, I was like, you know what? It's it's not as good as Bitcoin, but at least we're going to have our chain, and it's going to be a minority fork of Bitcoin, and it's going to have the property that we like. And all those people came into BCH more or less predictantly and, and they created that atmosphere where BCH has to fight Bitcoin all the time because it should have been Bitcoin in the spirit of that. And very early on, I tried to, to voice, you know, that, that it was not a good idea, but, you know, wh what can you do? Like, like those people, um, let, let me state it that way. If I were in their shoe, I don't know if I would do the same or not, but I'm not like 100% convinced that I wouldn't, if that makes yeah. sense. I understand what you're saying. And, um, you know, the history, whatever happened with history happened with history. And I think uh, with our industry, uh, shows like this and with books and things that come out, you know, it'll all be kind of, what do they say? It'll come out in the wash, right? Um and to further bring it, so to further bring it up to like uh, the Bitcoin Cash of today, one of the biggest things that you had launched uh, that 
a lot of people liked, but a lot of people didn't like was this idea of launching this infrastructure funding plan. And just mm-hmm. so you know, if Bitcoin had launched with this type of thing, uh, a lot of people say that Bitcoin would have been better. But a lot of people say that if Bitcoin had launched with with this type of idea of, of having a certain percentage of money go towards developers uh, of newly minted coins, people say that Bitcoin would have failed completely. So it's like a very contentious thing. And frankly, I, I'm happy. I think this- the second group of people is right. If Bitcoin at the time had launched with something like that, it would have failed because it would have been attacked the same way previous attempts uh, were attacked. Because now you have you have you know yeah. something or someone to target, um, and so so this is definitely something that is contentious to do. Um, because like I, I I agree with the people that say that if Bitcoin would have launched with that in the early yeah. days, absolutely. Um, and, and we become- are in a space right now where, you know, like governments and, and big banks and stuff like that are less hostile to crypto than, than they would have been 10 years ago. And so now this is something that is possible to do, but it's not a given that it's going to remain possible to do in the future. Like we can see the pendulum swing the other way, right? That's definitely something that can happen. How do you, how do you see governance on, on the blockchain play out do you think that governance should be something that we leave to kind of consensus or whatever that means or do we need to add um the ability to have like proof of stake voting on top of of bitcoin or bitcoin cash and how does that really tie into what's been going on with bitcoin cash today i i think people are very like they are putting too much brain cycle into those kind of gizmos because you can say okay (laughs) we're gizmos yeah, yeah, because look, we're going to make our decision based on, on proof of stake or whatever mechanism, right? Like Mastonode, whatever you want. Like you decide yeah. something and, and you say, we make our decision that way. But you have not solved the problem. You just like add one layer of stuff because how do you decide what system you use to make those decisions, right? So, so you, you have not created the agreement and people are not forced to follow those decisions. Yeah. Like what happened is all the stake vote for something that you don't want. Are you going to follow that project? Probably not. Is are you going to sell? Or if enough of you exist and disagree, you're going to fork, right? And nobody has any way to keep you in, right? Like it's not like a government where you're like, I'm going to fork the government and, and be my own independent state. Where are you going to find the army knocking at your door very quickly if you do that? But yeah. There is no blockchain army, right? So, so there is no way to enforce those decisions. And so, what are these decisions that are causing so much contention? Like, why, why, why every time? Not every time, but when there's like a decision that's to be made, you have like a BSV happen, or now there's another issue. Like, do you think a, do you think that precedent was set to like say whenever we have a problem, we're just going to fork instead of trying to figure it out? Uh, no, I think. There is this, I don't know if you're familiar, but there is this great short talk by Guy Kawasaki, which is like a, an old timer from Apple, okay. uh, where he explained the concept of bozo explosions. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but this is, no, this is an absolutely me, hilarious short piece. It's like, you know, three minutes or four minutes long. And it basically says like, you need to hire the best people that you can. What's this called? But if you look for bozo explosions, you're going to find it. Okay. Oh, I found it. Yeah. So I basically, found it. the idea is that 
you need to hire the best people that you can, right? Because if you start lowering your standard, you're going to hire people that are going to lower the standard and, and you're going to bring people oh, that the bozo explosion. and so on and so forth, right? And, and quickly enough, you find yourself surrounded by bozos. And what followed the bozo explosion and the great layoff. And, and this, is, this, is a, like, this is what happened here. If you have no standard for people that you accept in position of influence in your community, then the worst people are going to come in position of influence. I know, it's funny because I, I, I call, so the word bozo, I use all the time to describe myself. <laughs> and my wife is always like, what, what does that word mean? And I, I can't explain it. It's just, I feel like a bozo is someone who like has the potential to make really, really smart decisions, but just make stupid ones because they don't think him through. And I feel like that's me sometimes. But I need to read this bozo explosion thing because this is, I, I'm reading it now. This is actually, uh, Great. Um. And so I think there is a bit of that, right? Like, so if in BCH, in early day of BCH, the community as a whole would have been, you know, right? Like Craig Wright is, is a very sketchy character. We don't want him as a position of influence because like really when you have leader is because you have followers, right? Yep. Like this is literally like Albo's definitional, right? You cannot declare yourself a leader. You cannot say I'm, I'm a leader uh, unless maybe you have an army, but in, in you know, the blockchain space, you cannot do that. Literally, you are a leader if people decide to follow you. And because you have no way to force them to follow you, they have to do so voluntarily. And, and so at some point when you have enough people that follow a bad leader, some kind of bozo explosion is unavoidable. I'm going to title this show, How to Prevent... A bozo explosion. That would be like the best and, title. And I think this is one of the stuff that the BTC community is actually pretty good at. And, and sometimes that means that they're a friendly fire, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. the Bitcoin community attacks people that maybe it's not warranted to, to be that hostile to those people. So that's the, that's the flip side of it. And it's probably going to turn off some people and probably going to you know, drive away some people that would have been great addition to the community. I can think of a few, we'll like Joseph Kuhn, for instance, in. was driven away from BDC. He's one of the inventors of Lightning Network and very, very smart guy. Um, so, so there is some friendly fire that happened there. But the flip side of that is that they don't get completely derailed by character like Craig writes. True story. Speaking of which, um, Craig, actually just the other day, Craig, actually, Craig started another company and tried to sponsor this show and is trying to sponsor a bunch of other podcasts. And my... Uh, my salespeople didn't know because it's like a you know, fronted by Calvin and everything. And I almost, I had to. I'm lucky that I knew and I turned it down because. So there's a lot of like still shady things going on in this community. Mm -hmm. to, people don't realize that like, when you have a community or an industry or an ecosystem, of like, bright-eyed people that we just want to make the world a better place and we just want to do good. You're going to have other folks come in and try to like take advantage of that. You're mm -hmm. going to have people yeah. try to come in and take advantage of these communities. Uh, and that's kind of how things play out. But, you know, dude, I think if we're having this show five years from now, and we will, we're going to be having a, a very same show, but a very different show because we're going to be talking about all these things that went on. Like even today, the conversations that you're having internally in the communities um, the debates that you have, the f the potential threats of forking. They're, they're going to seem very small. It's going to seem very small, and they're going to be seen as these experiments that 
it was good they happened. Yep. So, so, so yeah, the whole Craig Wright stuff, I, I kind of like, I described it previously as a vaccine kind of yeah. thing, you know, yeah. uh, where you, you get exposed to the disease somehow. And, and Craig Wright, you know, it's like a very obvious command, right? So it's not He's like- He's a very good, very good, good con man. And I, sp- I remember having a video chat it's with him. Good. It's good, but at the same time, it's, it's like, it's fairly obvious. There, there are other people that are more sneaky than he is. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he's like very brash and, and, and he, he leave like a big trail of evidence that if you care to dig through, you can, you yeah, know, you can find all of it. Um, and we're seeing the whole thing play out, but, um, I know you're, listen, you're, you're, uh, I know it's a stupid thing to say, like you're extremely busy, but you're going through a lot of things right now. And I know that you have a lot of pressure and, and a lot of, uh, uh, stress on your shoulders. So I did want to say thank you again for, for coming on the show. I hope that I good, did a good job of uh, breaking down some of the uh, preconceived notions that people on the Bitcoin Cash community will have of Bitcoin, and people on the Bitcoin ca- on the Bitcoin community have of Bitcoin Cash. And I'm hoping that I can help bridge that gap again. You know. Um, yeah. Well, you know what I wanted to say about that is like the fork happened three years ago. It's, move on, right? It's. You know, it, it's done, right? Like there's, <laughs> once the fork happened, there is no point fighting anymore. No, it's time, it's time for each community to try to make the best of what they have. And the thing is, it is happening. And I want to say this, like, it's so, the, the, the minority, the vocal minority is so small. If, if I, I've, I actually went to a Bitcoin cash meetup back in February before COVID hit up here in Tampa. And I didn't even know it was a Bitcoin cash meetup, right? Uh, Cause my friends were running it and it just, I was not only okay with that, but it was great. It was fun to be part of that community. There's no reason we can't, I, we can't all go to each other's meetup. I'm, I'll be, I'm scared to go to a Ripple meetup, but you know, <laughs> I'm just joking. I love those guys. David Schwartz is a, is another good friend of mine. Um, I had him on the show here last week. And so um, I hopefully have listened to that one, but you guys have been listening to Untold Stories. Amori. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, and I hope to see you again soon and talk to you again. It'll be awesome.